All right, hello and welcome to another edition of the QB Super Show. I am your host, Walter Waddell, a.k.a. W65. We'll be flying solo this afternoon, some other stuff to take care of, but he'll be joining us back days when we do our four show. Um, lots to talk about. We have uh, another great two-game slate today. I like this one a little bit better than yesterday's. Um, get my thoughts on the first Final Four matchup, at least here at the end, and then talk some prize points. Well, lots to discuss. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, you can pop those over in the YFC general room. Um, just in a premium member in your live. Otherwise, it'll be on demand for you. So let's just jump right in here and start talking about the slate. Uh, first game, USC versus Gonzaga. Ken Palm has an 81-74 in favor of Gonzaga. They're sixth tempo ranking, USC 234. Um Looking at totals, this case went off easily a, a heavy total, 153.5 compared to the Michigan game, which should be much more defensive, 135.5. So you're going to want to get, you know, quite a bit of exposure to this first game. And I think that we're going to have to value really, you know, the raw points. I feel like the Gonzaga stack probably going to be popular, maybe not to the extent of, you know, three or four, but definitely – you know, two guys in every lineup that we see, if not three. I'm kind of leaning towards four myself. At first, I thought I was going to start the starting five and just get those raw points because there's so much volatility um, in the Michigan game. And this is really the first time I, I've all season cored three guys from the same team, but it is a two-game slate, and I think that's just kind of how we're going to have to do it. The pricing on the Gonzaga guys is really reasonable as well. You know, outside of really, I guess, Drew Timmy, um, you know, you can make a case for sacking any of them in your main lineup, and you can still play Timmy as well. Um, he really hasn't seen front court defense maybe to the level of the the Mobleys this season. Um, you know, so there is some talk about him potentially struggling, but I, I don't know. I think he'll do this one. You know, they had a pretty decent non-con schedule they played. Um, 8.2 is is fair for him, but really the we're looking at Jalen Suggs at 7-3. Um, he hasn't really, you know, had that big game yet. Um, you know, he's looked adequate right around 25, 28 fantasy points. The price kind of keeps going down. I do think we see, you know, a bigger game out of him today, um, especially if the defense attention is on the front court. You know, look for the Gonzaga guards to damage here. Um, and even that, you know, with the Timmy talk, like from the rest of the industry about him not doing well, uh, you know, Yamarui the other night against USC put up, what, 55, 56 fantasy points. So it's not as if they're going to lock down a, a player of Drew Timmy's caliber. Um, Suggs has a usage rate over 25%, 3.5% steal rate, uh, drawing 4.7 fouls per 40. Um, I, I, I just see, I mean, he's kind of, I don't want to say a no brainer, but he's definitely, uh, you know, a guy that I'm, I'm going to be very heavily invested in. And I think that we haven't really seen in the tournament yet that blow up game from him. Um, and I think we'll see it here today, as long as he doesn't, you know, get into foul trouble being too aggressive. Uh, Corey Kispert has really been hurting people. Uh, he hasn't had that blow-up game really in the tournament yet either, at least in you know the last two rounds. Um, he's definitely in play at 7K. That's a really cheap price for him. I would expect him to be pretty, pretty popular. Um, still one of the best shooters in the country, you know, uh, and, and he's going to probably shoot the ball 15 plus times tonight. He has the seventh best offensive rating in the country, 25.4% shot rate a true shooting percentage of almost 70 which is top three in the country um he shoots 46 percent from long range on 182 attempts which is 23rd uh 91 percent free 
top 15 in the country. We know, you know, games stay close. You know, I'm all about those free throw shooters. But Kispert is definitely the guy you want to go back to. My hope would be that the rest of the industry is just like looking for a way to get away from him or write him off. But uh, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be popular as well because his price is just way too low. Um, maybe where we get our differential from, you know, the, the big three uh, would be through Joel Iai or even Andrew Nemhart. I did have the, uh, the you know, I was fortunate enough to roster Andrew Nemhart on that last game where he, you know, put up a, a big time performance over 30 fantasy points. So uh, his price has risen to 5-5, but he's still very much in play. What's nice about Nemhart is big time experience in big games from when he's in Florida and, and used to having the ball in his hands at all times. So when you have a guy like Nemhard as your fifth option, uh, you know, you're a damn scary team. We saw, you know, uh, Kispert and Suggs kind of, you know, they were, I want to say non-factors in that last game against Creighton, but, you know, they, they definitely weren't, uh, you know, the reasons why they won and Nemhard, you know, particularly was. So when you got a fifth guy that can put up numbers like him, it, it's a big deal. So he also is, you know, not getting the defensive attention from USC, and it's all on Timmy Suggs um, or Kispert. You know, Nemhart's just going to run wild again. I, I do think that he could pay off this 5-5 price. Um, you know, solid overall 20, 20.3% uh, assist rate. Uh, he's flowing almost three fouls before. He's right around 35% in three-point range, which is adequate. Um, does have a top 50 offensive rating. Um, you know, and then rebounding-wise, he's, you know, right around almost 9-10% on his defensive rebounding rate, which, you know, is, is main but we saw in that last contest he can fill it up you know in all categories so i definitely like him and then ii at, at six five i really feel like ii would be top option on a numerous amount of other teams so again another guy who's kind of you know that fourth fourth option in the lineup is very dangerous at six five um so for me i think i have him cord i think he's kind of a must play I think people will likely have him as well. So I'm just curious to see what this Gonzaga ownership shakes out. A lot of people are, are very leery of running stacks in college basketball for whatever reason, even on a two-game slate. Um, but if we can get, you know, 4X at minimum from four Gonzaga guys, I think that's going to really set us apart from the rest of the field and, and give us an opportunity, um, you know, to cash most contests. Maybe you don't end up binking, but, you know, making a solid profit and then we can really kind of maybe get a little crazy in the UCLA game for our, for our other exposure. But, uh, yeah, he has a top 20 offensive, uh, rating 19.4% defensive rebounding rate draws almost three fouls. He's shooting 39% from long range on 91 attempts, uh, right around an 81% free throw shooter. So everyone on this team in the, their main lineup, uh, their starting five all shoots, you know, over 30% from long range, even Timmy, you know, he's only taken 19 attempts. Um, and at the free throw line, their worst free throw shooter is Timmy at 70%, which is still really good. So this team is just just phenomenal, as you guys know. Um, really, the, the only way I think USC would, would be able to win, right, is if, you know, they take advantage of Gonzaga starting slow, which they've done a few times. Um, you know, maybe Tajidi starts hot, get some guys in foul trouble, Timmy or Suggs. Um, and force them to have to go to, you know, Antoine Watson or Aaron Cook on the bench, who uh, in their own right are two very good, you know, options. But really the only way that this Gonzaga team can be beat is if you force them to go to their bench, right? Because they're just not going to be a completely different story for this team. Uh, you know, they got guys coming in that are, are big-time recruits again. But uh, it's just that's the only way that UC is going to have a chance. Antoine Watson actually has an offensive rating in the, in the top 50s as well. A lot of people don't really like him. I thought he would make a big 
bigger step this year. Um, it's just kind of hard for him to find his rhythm at times, you know, coming off the bench, playing 17, 18 minutes. He's perfectly capable at 4 or 5 of paying that price tag off. He does have a steal and block rate over 3%. Um, his two-point field goals, he's shooting 73%, uh, top five in the country. So he gets a lot of easy looks when he is out there. Uh, not a really good three-point shooter, but he's only taking 20 on the year. So he is a, another guy that perhaps is going to be forgotten about, you know, by the USC. So um, in order, I think it's Suggs, Kispert, Ayayi, and then Timmy, and then Nemhart. But I will, I may end up running a four-man stack uh, when it's all said and done. USC, you're going to have to make the decision here, right? Uh, you know, do you and it was the same thing the other night. Do you run, you know, three, four Gonzaga guys, or do you run two with Evan Mobley? Um, you know, we've seen Mobley be a safe source of points. My only question here is, you know, can we get away with possibly fading him? 8-4 is a really good price. Um, he's going to play 30-plus minutes, but is it going to be one of those games where he puts up 32-ish, 35, or is he going to bang, you know, 50-plus? Um, and if you think it's going to be one of his, you know, 4X games, I think you can safely avoid him, the rest of the field on him, and, and maybe go to, you know, a Gonzaga guy or even go down and, and take someone like Franz Wagner, who we'll talk about in, in games. So, I mean, Mobley's obviously a, a stud. Um, but I think in, in these type of games where the, the competition is, you know, elite, elite, we've seen him kind of, I don't want to say wilt necessarily, but he just hasn't put up the numbers you'd expect. You know, the Oregon game earlier in the season where he really struggled and he had that stretch of two or three games where he was under 25 fantasy points. Uh, and I just feel like teams are, are capable when they have the personnel like Gonzaga potentially slowed down. Um, does have 9.8% offensive rate, combined rate of 130 9.1% block rate. Uh, he draws 5.3 fouls per 40. He only gets called for 2.1 per 40. So it's, you know, one of those situations where a big man where he doesn't really get into foul, foul trouble all that much, which is nice. That's just going to be one of those situations where you're going to have to decide, do you want to full sack Gonzaga kind of like where I'm leaning, or do you want to go, you know, with the rest of the public, take Mobley and maybe two, three guys. Uh, I think either build, is, either build is fine. I don't think there's one right or wrong way. Uh, at the end of the day, Mobley and Timmy may even end up scoring similar, so it might be a, a moot point at that. Uh, Taj Edey is definitely going to have to have a big game, like I mentioned. Um, 39% three-point shooter on 164 attempts. <clears throat> he has been uh, a, a kind of a revelation for them. If they didn't have him this season, they would have definitely struggled. So this was a really nice get for them uh, at the beginning of the season. He has a shot rate over 23%. Uh, he's drawing about three fouls per 40. Um, you know, decent number, 78% free throw shooter. So he's definitely a guy that you can consider. Price tag on him um, is fair at just uh, 6K. You know, typically like him in the mid-5K range, but looking at what he's done, um, he hasn't been under 20 fantasy points since the beginning or end of February. So he's definitely taking a lot of shots as well. He's had three straight games over 11 shots. Um, doesn't really get in trouble. I, I do feel like the Gonzaga guards have the, you know, the capability of slowing him down. Um, so I'm not going to be all in on him, but he's definitely a guy. If you plan on fading Evan, you, you most likely want to go to eat. Um, I'm not playing Isaiah White. I know that, you know, he just had a monster game. He's typically going to be hovering around 10, 15 fantasy points. He just came out super hot against Oregon. Uh, you know, hit four threes, took 10 shots, getting a bunch of rebounds, almost 40 fantasy points. Prices up to 5K. I just, I can't envision paying that price. So I am hoping that the rest of the field chases that, you know, thinking that this guy is going to be some kind of, you know, terror and break the slate. But I just don't see that. From 
I wouldn't mind going back to Drew Peterson. In fact, I'm kind of considering it myself for my USC exposure. Um, I know he didn't do much of anything last game, but he's still playing roughly 28, 29 minutes per game in the tournament. Uh, you know, taking four to ten shots. He just he was on the floor a lot last game against Oregon. He just didn't he didn't take any shots. So hopefully it'll be more like you know the Drake game or even you know the Colorado Pac-12 game where you know he took double-digit shots. Um, contributing other categories like rebounds, assists. So we're really just looking for 20 from him in this this spot. Um, he does have guard forward eligibility, helpful with your builds. He has a 40% three-point shooter on 87 attempts, drawing almost three and a half fouls per 40. Um, the rest of his rates are all, you know, season-long 19% shot rate, 19% uh, usage rate, over 16% defensive rebounding rate. So an adequate player at that price tag of 4.7, I would much rather play him over over Isaiah White in that game. And then Isaiah Mobbins, uh, he's been, been really good. Uh, you know, he's really stepped up when he needed to. You see in the tournament here, uh, 26 fantasy points, 36 and 27. Playing over 30 minutes, he's really held his fouls in check um, and, and playing off his brother, you know, just playing his best basketball of the season, which is what you want to see. He's definitely the X factor today against this Gonzaga team. It'll It'll you know, remain to be seen if they can, you know, kind of hold him in, in check if they pay attention to Evan, which they should, or Edie. Uh, Mobley could end up being, you know, that, that guy that just hits those mid-range shots, uh, gets behind the defense, gets some easy rebounds, things of that nature. So um, he's taking more shots lately, too. He had nine attempts against Oregon, 14 against Kansas, and then seven against Drake, where he was kind of taking, you know, under five for a couple of games there heading into the tournament. Um Six two is is a fair price for him as well. Much rather obviously pay that five k you know five five range, but we don't have that option. So my favorite USC play outside of the obvious Evan Mobley would be Edie Peterson and then Isaiah Mobley. I'm not gonna mess around with uh, Isaiah White or <clears throat> UCLA versus Michigan. Uh, Ken Palm has a seventy one sixty six favor Michigan two forty seven tempo ranking UCLA three thirty seven. Um, Michigan side, I uh, I really quite like Brandon Johns at 5-2. I was kind of angry with myself for not using him last game because he was a relatively good price. He's been playing, you know, bigger minutes than he has all season. Uh, and he's been hitting right around 19 to 20 fantasy points pretty consistently all tournament long and even heading into the tournament. Uh, he had the game against Ohio State where he scored almost. And so 5-2 is very reasonable for him. I could see a similar game plan that Michigan used uh, – against FSU where, you know, they're going to be looking to score down low a little bit more, especially if they can get Cody Riley into foul trouble. It makes a lot of sense to just pound away down there, not deal with that perimeter defense with George Bernard, who have been pretty solid in the tournament. Um, what they've been doing with Johns is running him up top, uh, pick and rolls, but also just kind of a, a high post uh, variation where he's able to, hit that like mid-range free throw line jumper if they sag off if they come up to you know check him there he's been dumping it off to hunter dickens too they did it all game long against fsu so i think that we'll see something similar um that five two is not projecting all that well around the industry so that's going to keep his ownership down i just i personally like him better than uh mike smith or eli brooks for a similar price um just because he's not going to have to, you know, be guarded by Tiger Campbell, who is a very good on-ball defender, or even Jules Bernard, who has emerged recently since kind of taking over that fifth starter spot. And, um, 
Dickinson at six seven is is fairly cheap. I think he's definitely in play. If you don't go the Evan Mobley route and you want to play just three Gonzaga guys, then I think Dickinson is certainly the play at six seven. Like I said, Cody Riley, really aggressive guy, good defender, but I think that he'll be hard pressed to to stay on the floor. You're looking at a Michigan team that does a very very good job of drawing fouls. Um, especially Dickinson, he's drawing five fouls per forty. Um, has one of the highest free throw rates on the team. So, I mean, that's just going to be a difficult matchup for him. Uh, Dickinson has a 5.4% block rate, a 11% offensive rebounding rate, 22% defensive rebounding rate, and a 25% shot rate. Um, so definitely look for him to do some serious damage. He should be priced over 7K. I'm not quite sure why they did that, but uh, he should probably be popular. If he's not, that's a gift for us. Um, as far as everyone else on the team, I had mentioned Mike Smith, uh, 40 three-point shooter, 28.7% assist rate, and then Eli's 40% three-point shooter, um, drawing three fouls per 40, one of the higher offensive ratings on the team. Definitely all those guys are in play, but I think the masses are going to be more on Mike Smith, it looks like, right now than opposed to Johns or even Eli Brooks. Smith's price is pretty decent at 5'3", um, but he's only hit, you know, really value at his current price, maybe not the five, but once in the last four games. So since that 53 that he, he busted out there, uh, you know, he had the 32 against Texas Southern in the first round, but he, he hasn't really been putting up a ton of fantasy points, um, which is why I kind of like John's spot instead. And then Shondi Brown there at 4-3, possible value. There's not a lot of value on the slate at all. Uh, you know, So you're, you're luckily the top is not that high priced either. They've kind of balanced it out for us so that you don't have to go value guys if you don't want to. Shondi Brown has been playing over 20 minutes in the tournament pretty consistently. Um, in the 20 value and then what, 18, 16, 17, something like that against FSU, which was fine. Um, so he is there if you need him at 4-3. Not a high level value by any means, but definitely him. And then Franz Wagner is a, a nice luxury play. Guard forward eligibility, 7.7K. You know you're going to get a floor of 28 to 30 fantasy points. You're going to need more at 7-7, but at least you know raw points-wise this guy's really not going to let you down. Um, really happy with that. He's done well this season. He's improved his three-point shooting. He's up to what uh, 36% now in 98 attempts. Uh, he's an 83% free throw shooter. He's got a 3.2% block rate, over 2% steal rate. His defensive rebounding rate is 2%. The offensive rating is top 75 uh, shot rates over 20%, usage rates right around 19 So he doesn't have the highest usage in the world, but we know from watching him in the tournament and the Big the Big Ten tournament and all that stuff that he's able to produce and get it done in multiple categories. Um, even when he's you know scoring 13 to 15 real points, he's able to do enough everywhere else, uh, especially on the glass. Uh, in the tournament, he has not been under, what, seven, under seven rebounds yet. I uh, had 10 rebounds against Florida State, seven against LSU, and against so he's really working the glass most of those are defensive rebounds he's not getting a lot of putbacks but he is shutting out the other team from having second and third opportunity um as far as <clears throat> ucla goes i do think i'm gonna back off a little bit off them i i do like jules bernard again but his price at 6-1 is a bit of a turnoff obviously uh he's playing big minutes he saw in the overtime game he didn't really come off the floor. He played the 42 minutes against Alabama. He did make value there at 28. And he's been hovering right around 24 to 25. So he's still a 4X at this price point. Um, he just does enough in all categories to, to get you there. Uh, took 10 threes against Alabama, by the way. So he's, he's taking a lot of high-volume shots. I still like him. Tiger Campbell's up to 5-1. 
very good play under 5K. He put up 28 against Alabama, but I, I mean, if you look at his his logs since January, it's not really been impressive. He's hasn't been pushing 20 fantasy points very often. So I do think we can get back away from still cheap enough to use, and I think people probably will see that last game and, and play him. But Michigan is obviously a much different play style than Alabama, um, and their defense is just you know, a little bit tougher. Alabama's good, but the way they play, they just inevitably there's going to be a lot of scored. So I do see him back to struggling here and focusing more on his defense than his offense. Um, Tony Riley's there at 5'4", decent uh, GPP type of guy. Riley's got a good rate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 21% shot rate, 25% usage rate. He does draw 5.3 fouls per 40 and has a 4% block rate. He also has a rebound. So Riley's job is going to be to try to get Dickinson in foul trouble. Dickinson's job is going to try to get Riley in foul trouble. Whoever wins that battle early, because we know the refs are whistle happy in the first half and not the second, uh, will definitely at least that first 20, 18 minutes. So I do think it'll be Dickinson, not Riley, but obviously you get a discount with Riley if you think otherwise. Um, Jaime Hawkins has crushed it. Um, he's a bit expensive at 7-1, but it's hard to you know ignore – Scored over 30 fantasy points, three of his last four, 17, 8, 3, 1, and three steals against Alabama. He looked really good. Uh, his, his usage and shot rates are both under 19%, but he's another guy that does enough. You know, 7% offensive rebounding rate, 2.4% block rate. He's shooting 40% from long range. Draws almost four fouls for 40. Just another guy that you, you kind of quietly at times suddenly is at 30, 32 fantasy points. And you're like, oh, wow, he made value again. So I don't mind Hawkeyes. Probably more of a GPP type of play with expected lower ownership, but he could certainly match, you know, those secondary Gonzaga plays or even, you know, outdo anyone on Michigan or U.S. So he's a higher level play than I think people realize. Uh, Johnny's using the shot rate over 29%. Struggled a bit last game. We know he's going to be shooting a lot. I wonder, uh, you know, Howard's game plan is probably going to, you know, revolve around shut him down. Uh -huh. Reading on boards about who attack, so it'll be interesting. Um, and then you do have some value options here uh, Jalen Clark at 3 9 and David Singleton at 4K both got extra minutes because of you know the OT. But Clark has been playing uh, the second, what was it? I think it was the second round game against uh, uh, Abilene. He did 14 minutes, had over 14. Price is now up over four, so you need like the 16 ish fantasy points, but. We've been able to get away with, you know, especially on these smaller slates, guys who are under 4K. And if they can give us 10, 12, 13, typically give you enough of your top end guys to, to work. So I do think he is a, uh, while risky, he value certainly is a guy that can get you there. And then Singleton at 4K as well. He's played uh, 11, 18, and 20 minutes in the Michigan State game. He played 15. He hasn't been over 10 fantasy points except for last game, so he's a little less appetizing than Clark because he doesn't get it, he doesn't get as much stats, but his minutes are high. So um, I think Shondi Brown's probably better than either of those guys, but again, it's a two-game slate, and we don't have the ability to pick a lineup that we absolutely love. The options limited. Like I said, nice thing is the pricing is balanced, so you don't necessarily have to go down and take a bunch of guys below that 4K mark. As far as prize picks goes, uh, my two favorite right now are Jalen Suggs over 28.9 fantasy points and Hunter Dickinson over 26.8 fantasy points. 
I was hoping that they would have like a, a Drew Timmy. I saw on some other sites props they had Drew Timmy assist um, at like two and five. Really, you can find that on like definitely that Timmy's a very good passer out of double teams. Um, he should be able to crush that. So unfortunately, Price Picks doesn't have that. They do have Jalen Suggs for assists, which I think is close. Uh, but mainly it's this two that I mentioned there. Suggs, which is actually, he's gone up to 30.5 now. I still think the over hits, but if to the point where it's 31 and a half, 32, you probably need to back off. And I also like Corey Kisper over 20. You're looking for uh, uh, a flex play. So that, that would be the option. As far as Final Four goes, that, that Baylor versus Houston matchup is solid. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm glad that Houston was able to take care of business. Uh, and Baylor just asserting their will. We still haven't seen that blow-up game with Jared Butler yet. That very well could become Houston. Yeah, looking, looking forward to that.